Welcome to episode 11 of the Board Game Battles podcast. We take two games of the common trait, discuss each, and see if we can declare a winner. I'm your host, Randall, and with me are my co-hosts, Jeff and Drew. Hello. Hello. Today we're going to be discussing uh, two games that are um, centered around cathedrals. And they also both use area influence um, area influence and action selection. Uh, those games are going to be Notre Dame versus Alm. Uh, and then afterwards, we'll have our usual little talk about Imperial Assault. Probably won't be talking about Arcadia Quest this time since we haven't played uh, since the last uh, episode. <laughs> we haven't been able to get together. It's been too hard. But um, And even Imperial Assault, we haven't done a lot with that since either. But we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, there is a new preview that we can talk about during that segment, so that'll be, uh, that'll be interesting. But um, might as well just get started then. Um, with the earlier game, which is Notre Dame. Uh, released in 2007, the designer is Stefan Feld, and he, uh, he's, he's, a, he's been a pretty prol- prolific designer. Ever since he started coming out with stuff in 2005, um, it's like every year he's been coming out with one or two or, or more games, um, usually Euros, but quite often games that have some kind of uh, randomization in it you know, to maybe mitigate some of the uh, um, some of the dryness that a euro can usually have, but uh, so he he likes to work with dice, but not all not all of his games have it. So he's a he's a good mix of dice and and straight euro. So and this is one of the first Steffenfeld games I'd ever played was Notre Dame, and so I picked it up right away and I became a fan of his ever since. So, yeah, Steffenfeld, um, artists uh, for this particular game is Harold Liesk, published by Aaliyah and Ravensburger, and in, in America, Rio Grande Games. Mechanisms are area control and area influence, card drafting, and they, call, they say point-to-point management. Not 100% sure what they mean by that, but point-to-point management. Uh, BGG rating is 7.4, called from 9.9 thousand ratings so you know not not a huge number of ratings but pretty good that's a fairly decent a lot of people have played this game and, and have rated it so that's pretty good going on to the uh the rule book it's pretty standard alia rule book so they they make pretty good rule books they're um they're laid out usually nicely they have good they have some diagrams in it they have the standard thing where they have a, a sidebar on every page giving you um sort of a brief rundown of, of what the various rules are for the for the section so there's going to be like a lot of text in the main thing but then the, the sidebar will have a bit of a summary uh, of those rules but again being in an Aaliyah game it can be a bit difficult to get through the rules especially when you're reading it and I was going through them as we were playing looking for various things and just some of it is like I don't know I don't know who they're writing this for if they're writing it for the very you know somebody playing this playing games for the first time it'd be a slog to get through to understand. But if you're playing, if you're writing it for someone who already knows how to play a lot of these kind of games, you're really over explaining everything and using too many words. So it's like a, a, a seasoned gamer is going to just look at this and go, what is this crap and, and throw it away. So yeah, it's a decent rule book, but yeah, they just get way too wordy and, and, and really confuse things a lot, but it is, it is nicely laid out. So I always give that for the, they, they make nice looking rules and it's, and they're fairly, they're, they're not that bad, just can be done a bit better. Uh, Component-wise, uh, it's a standard Aaliyah 
Euro game. It's just cardboard, you know, a, a little bit of cardboard playing board. Um, not overly thick, but not too thin either. It's, it's okay. You get a bunch of little chits uh, for points and for money. Um, get some wooden pieces, um, little wooden squares for, for spreading your influence on your, your board. You get a you get a carriage and you get your trusted friend. Trusted friend. <laughs> I, I always think I always say special friend for some stupid reason, but it's trusted friend, and it's basically it looks like a bishop sign up. He has like a, a brimmed hat or whatever. It's just a, it looks almost like a the kind of pawn you would get in something like sorry in a way. Maybe not quite, but you know what I mean. Just a standard little standing standing pawn, but then he has a little brimmed hat. Uh, so that's essentially all you get, and then. Uh, the rest of it is cards. Everybody gets cards as well. So standard playing card style, nothing too fancy again. Uh, and then there's also a deck of cards for what they call visitors, or no, I don't think they call them visitors, persons, the person cards. They don't even give it, call them visitors. They're just people um, that you'll uh, have access to uh, throughout the, uh, the playthrough. Uh, so yeah, the components, standard, nothing too special. Nothing that I would... Um, I would say is exceptional, but it's it's still decent. Um, this game, if you're looking to buy it, I don't think it's currently read, readily available, but they are coming out with a 10th anniversary edition soon. Um, and the difference between um, the original version and the 10th anniversary version, um, see the game comes with uh, a number of person cards, and then there's, um, there's a number of cards that are labeled A, B, and C, and there's like a total of nine cards in the base game. There was a, an expansion that came out in something called the Aaliyah Treasure Chest, which gave you another nine people. So you had you know up to eighteen people you could choose from to you know to vary your your playthrough. And then in this anniversary edition, they're also throwing in another nine that you can intermix in there. So you know all of a sudden you have twenty seven different people. Like you only ever use three um, of each letter. So like three A's, three B's, and three C's. But you could, you know, with all those people, you could really vary your playthrough if you wanted to. Um, so that should be out. I, 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 didn't, I don't have a release date on that yet, but it'll be out probably, I imagine, this year. And then it'll be available again. Have they released any other information? Are they? Is it going to be the same artwork? Or are they? I haven't seen any anything kind of on that, so I, I don't know if it's going to change much. Not that the the artwork on this no, version, no, it's good. You know, not bad or anything. It's actually pretty nice. Just wondered if they were going to somehow spruce it up for this, you know, yeah. for this newfangled MTV generation. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I guess we'll find out. I haven't really actually looked that hard for information. I just saw that they were coming out with an anniversary edition. Uh, the artist um, I already mentioned was Harold Leesk. Uh, yeah, I went through all that. So, so rules and gameplay. It's a it's a fairly it's not that hard a game, really. It, it, you know, it's, for a Euro, it's pretty straightforward. Um, the board's modular, which is kind of nice, so it can play anywhere from uh, two to five players. The and there's a how it works is each player has their own little district. Um, they call it a borough, and the borough um, they all sort of attach to a centerpiece. And by attach, I mean just sort of lays on the board. There's no physical like puzzle piece attachment or anything. Uh, if you're playing, and there's like three different um, middles that you could have. For three players, there's a triangle. Uh, for four players, there's a square middle. And it also uses a, the square middle for two players. You just flip it over, and it's a little bit different on one side. And then for five players, you have um, pen pentagon. It'd be a pentagon. So pentagon style uh, centerpiece. 
And when you put the centerpiece down, you add each burrow to uh, one of its sides, and that sort of makes your board. Um, when you set up, each player claims one of the burrows, uh, which will be where they're mostly playing the game, is on their one little burrow. Their carriages can actually visit other burrows throughout the game. Uh, and the reason for that is everybody has these uh, secret messages. And there are four little chits with something different on each side. So the one side is blank, the other side has um, a reward on it. And you shuffle them and you put them on your burrow in four um, distinct spots. And everybody does this. And then during the game, you can take your carriage, if you take a special action for moving your carriage, and visit everybody's um, burrow to grab one of their uh, secret messages. And once you've grabbed one of every color, then you can start grabbing a second one of every color if you get that far. And these little chits have rewards on them, ranging from, I think it's like one to four victory points. And then, depending on what you get, um, you might also get an additional war reward um, to go with that. Uh, also on your burrow um, is seven uh, little districts for different actions you can take. And there's a harbor. And the harbor has a track on it, which keeps track of the plague, having to do with um, your uh, plague level for your burrow. And everybody sort of has to watch that, because if your plague gets too high, you can start ending up losing points and influence in your burrow. Uh, everybody gets nine action cards. Um, they're all the same for everybody. And how it works is you shuffle them up, take three, and then you do a little draft. So you'll take one of your action cards and pass them to your left, and then take the ones from your right, choose another one, and again, and then you'll end up with three action cards. And each round, you will do this. You will play two out of the three that you get that you end up with. And there's a total of nine rounds throughout the game. After every third round, there's sort of a, a mid or like a, a not quite a scoring thing, but a little bit. Because there's um, something will happen within Notre Dame, which you can score. And then you go on to the next the next um, phase. Also, during each round, there'll be a number of persons laid out. And that's where the A, Bs, and Cs come in. Um, there's three As, three Bs, and three Cs. And you shuffle each section and just sort of make a pile out of them. And then there's also six um, generic, not really generic, but there's six additional people that you sort of lay out. And then what it is is each round, there'll be two... Um, Two of the non-lettered people and one of the lettered people. So there'll be uh, you, you go through the three A's, and then you'll shuffle up the six, and then you go through the three C's, shuffle up the six, and go through the three uh, three B's, then the three C's. Sorry. Um, so once you have your your uh, action cards, you'll be basically choosing your actions. Out of the out of the three cards, you'll play two of them. Your borough is made up of, like I said, seven different districts. Each district has essentially an ability. And what it is, if you play the card corresponding to a certain district, you'll place an influence marker on that district. And you'll usually get a reward, um, and the reward could get greater based on the number of um, cubes that you have on the district. The various districts, you know, there's one that'll give you an additional influence card, so you'll start with, or influence cubes and you'll start with a certain amount and then you'll have a, a supply off to the side that you can get more from um, whenever you take that action there's a district for getting additional coins and a district just for getting points there's a hospital which will help you um, control the plague um, if your plague gets to a certain level, like at the end of every round you will calculate the plague value 
looking at the the people that are laid out that you can um, access at the end of the round, there'll be little rat icons at the bottom of those cards. And so what you do is you add up the number of rats. That's the plague level for that churn. Everybody's plague track will go up that a number. If you have um, influence in the hospital, you'll reduce the number it goes up by that however many cubes you have in the hospital. There's a park, which can also help you reduce the plague and give you other bon benefits. Um, and then there's also an area for moving the carriage. Um, so you place a, an influence there, and it lets you move the carriage. The number of spaces equal to the number of influence on that area. There's also a couple um, cards that don't correspond to uh, districts or, or yeah, districts in your borough. One is for the trusted friend. So he, when you play that card, you take you can take that trusted friend pawn and place it anywhere on your borough. And he acts just like a standard influence in that when you place him there, you'll get the action. And he counts just like as if he was a regular uh, influence marker. You'll gain additional benefits uh, based on how many you have there along with him. But then every time you play that card, you can move him around your borough uh, just by playing that card in the future. And the other card is a um, Notre Dame card. And what that is, is when you play that one, you get to place an influence marker in the centerpiece, which is Notre Dame. In order to place there, you also have to be able to pay some gold. Uh, as like a tithe to uh, Notre Dame, one, two, or three gold, and you'll also get a few points based on how much gold you pay. But then your influence marker will stay uh, sitting in Notre Dame until the end of each third round. And at the end of every third round, you will look at Notre Dame, see who, however many uh, cubes are sitting there, uh, and divide the number of points for the, uh, the centerpiece uh, for a five-player game. It's 12 points by the number of cubes, and everybody who's in there will get that many points for each cube they have in the center. The different people that you lay out um, have different abilities, and you, at the end of each round, you can hire one of these people, uh, one out of the three, and only one, for one gold, and take their take their ability. And their abilities can be a, you know, something like move a, an influence marker from one district to another, and then maybe take the action right away. Uh, there's one who um, will allow you to ignore the plague for that turn so you don't go up on the plague mark um, plague track at all. Um, there could be one where you can move a bunch of cubes from one district to another district, but you won't get to take that action, but then you've sort of shored up your influence in that one particular district so that next time you take an action there, you'll get more benefits. So there's a lot of different... I'm not going to go through them all, but there's a lot of different um, characters and um, special abilities that they come with. Um, and then, yeah, once you've gone through nine rounds, um, it's essentially whoever has the uh, the most uh, victory point tokens in front of them is the winner. I don't think I missed anything. I think that's essentially how the game's played. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, Steffenfeld's kind of one of my favorite designers. I've been playing, you know, I've been looking out for his games ever since I played this one. And this was at a, an event um, at the old location for Mission Funding Games. And it was called the Great Canadian Board Game Blitz. And it was like a special event that they had. It was something that was going across Canada at the time. And um, it was like a day of games. And, uh, we, you know, my wife and I got a chance to try this game out. And we loved it and picked it up right away. And then ever since, I've been looking out for his games. And Stefan Feld's one of those designers... Maybe not every one of his games is a, is a hit, but I usually enjoy most of his games. Um, I don't think I've run into any that I've really hated or, or ever hated. Um, maybe some are drier than others, so they don't always be the best, but 
for the most part, I, I really enjoy his games. Um, so what did you guys uh, think of this one? Go ahead. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> for me, uh, I the drafting mechanic was a little stale for me. Okay. Uh, but other than that, it, it felt like it, it was well-balanced. It was yep. well... The mechanics worked extremely well. I just didn't particularly enjoy the drafting mm-hmm. aspect of it because typically... Because you're only playing two out of the three cards you get anyways, yeah. I'm seeing actions disappear that it's like I draw three cards that are really good and I'm giving two away yeah. and then I'm getting garbage from everyone else. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's, it's not probably... That it's, you could end up with the same card, multiples of the same card yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And, and there was one card in particular that most people sloughed off, it seemed, was the district that gives you just straight up points yeah and if you saw it you're like ah crap because it just it didn't advance your position or anything it just gave you a point or two points depending on how much it wasn't even enough points really yeah so that one district seemed out of place but the rest was Mm -hmm. fairly well done well i i think you know i i agree with you um i i really thought that you know they could have given the the drafting a miss in this case um, I, well, I think it's there... a fairly old game too. It was like 2007, so it could be one of the earlier games that had drafting. Because I don't know, could be. Because when did Seven Wonders come out? It was like um... for for as much I think that you know, Jeffy, right? That you you might see some some you know cards come your way that are just you know, ugh. the I, I think the amount of impact that the drafting mechanic has on the actual play of the game, it's. It's minimal almost you know it's a, it? yeah it, it's an activity that doesn't really change anything yeah it doesn't add True. to the game it doesn't you know, yeah. really take away either but it yeah. doesn't add anything you want yeah and that's exactly that's exactly yeah. what i mean like it's it's just sort of eh. well and for me in particular i think what solidified my opinion on it is in the last round uh i had no money going into the round because it was necessary for me to spend my last coin to prevent myself from losing points to the plague and then I saw specific cards go that I knew as soon as they were gone because I couldn't keep them because they added no value for me to keep them. Mm-hmm. Specifically, it was the Notre Dame card. I couldn't keep it because I didn't have money to play there. Right. And I saw my card go, and then uh, your wife, Nick, she was to my right and yeah. handed me her cards, and it was in there too, and I still didn't have anything to make me money. So I saw the game being lost right? because yeah. I had to keep a card and pass off one that mm-hmm. was going to lose me the game because I couldn't play it. So by the third round, I had already known, mm. well, uh, this this game's done for me because I had to slough off a card that I wanted to keep and try and find a way to get money to yeah. play it, but yeah. it didn't make sense to keep it in my hand. So that that's what made the drafting mechanic seem pointless to me at that point because it didn't add anything through the rest of the game either, and it was just seeing this randomness go to kind of decide the game where up to that point i couldn't have chosen which of us was going to win like it was it was so close and then it was just like you see your ability to compete just disappear with a card passing yeah i i don't know that the that the cards affected me as much as um you know this, this was the first time i i was playing and and uh I think my lack of experience in in being able to see 
how to, how to take advantage of some of the different strategies. Right. Yeah. Like the one thing I I really enjoyed about this is there is no shortage. Like there is an abundance of, um, you know, di- I I think different strategies that a person could take. Yes. Sure. Oh yeah. You know, like I, I at the beginning of the game, I just ran around yeah. collecting those uh, those secret messages. Yeah. And um, you had a lot of those. You, yeah, I think you I ended got up with one of every five. color for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think I ended up with five of them. Um, unfortunately. You know, I, I don't think that got me as far as I thought it might. Right. Like, I didn't get enough points out of that to make it worthwhile. Um, but but that's definitely there. So I think if I, you know, playing again, I, I could see, you know, a whole bunch of other different possibilities of, you know, how to approach this. Uh, for the most part, I, w- I was, in, you know, we didn't get hit with the plague too hard in the first, you know, couple rounds. Um, and, and so I think, I you know, I kind of relaxed a little bit too much that way. And... Uh, you know, whereas Randall had really mitigated the hospital, yeah, very yeah. Influence. like you, yeah. you had tons of influence, and on that's the probably because I also had more experience at the yeah. game because I have played it yeah. a few times. Yeah, but you know, and, and but that's what I mean. Like depending on how those, uh, you know, the person cards came out and what you know what effect the plague was going to have that turn, and um, you know, just like like how all the how all the turns start to unfold. Um, you know, I think with experience, you could you could really take advantage of some things. Um, you know, take a, several different tacts to, you know, maximizing your your victory points. I, I thought there was loads of avenues that that a person could go. You know, well, yeah, because uh, like I that. started the game, kind of with the same idea as you to collect secret messages, but four of us out of the five went mm-hmm. for secret messages. Yeah. So I immediately went, okay, as a side thing, sure. If, yeah. it, if the opportunity presents itself, but I'm going to switch and do something else. And it yeah. didn't hurt me. Like I said, it was, it was extremely close other than Randall getting Notre Dame by himself At the in end. the final yeah. turn, which gave him like 12 points, 12 points. And I think it puts you just above 50 or something like that. I can't remember, but it did. It, w- it was enough. Like it, it puts you well ahead of the rest of us, yeah. but the rest of us were all. I think it was between thirty six and forty points. Yeah. So it, was, it wasn't. It was fairly. Close, yeah. Like yeah. it was really close, except for that. Just no one else was able to get into Notre Dame in the last. Yeah. Round having that all by myself was huge. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of you, you just saw everyone was trying to accomplish different things in different ways, and it was a really close game up mm-hmm. to that point. Yeah. Uh, something else I I, I kind of thought that was interesting with this is, um, I I didn't really feel like you know like, like looking across the the table at at you know how many um, victory points people had piled in front of them I didn't really feel like like I could do much about that you know what right I mean? yeah you're playing so, your own game yeah it is because you are mostly sticking to your own district and yeah. doing your own thing yeah so I I, I don't know if there's um, if, if there's some ways to better take advantage of um, you know, like seeing, oh, you know, Jeff's taken this one strategy and, and he's got these kind of victory points. What can I, what can I do? What can I change in my game to, um, you know, to, you know, pick up the pace a bit and, and mm-hmm. start, you know, getting more victory points or, um, you know, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, loads of, loads of different, you know, paths a person could take in this game. Yeah. And that's pretty typical, I think, of Steppenfeld's games. Like they quite often some of his games would be called point salads because yeah. there's so many different ways you can get points. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, and it all depends on how he how well he ties it all together with the theme. Um, and I, I, I like the theme of this one. How much it really ties in, it's hard to say because um, basically you're taking actions that you're just basically moving cubes on a board. Uh, so 
does it feel like you're in Notre Dame? I wouldn't <laughs> say so no. Like, yeah. The, the theme know. didn't really play in for me. Yeah. It, it's like I knew that going to Notre Dame got you points. Yeah, going to Notre but, Dame got you points. Yeah, there's the special people that you can, you know, pay money to to help give you some special actions. There's, you know, and they do all their own little thing. There's like the hostess, the monk, the fool, the minstrel, the doctor. But, you know, you're, you're less worried about you know what they're called in is more about what you look at their actions what do they do that's exactly what's the action it's like oh yeah there's a picture and oh his action is i get no plague sweet yeah (laughs) yeah so i I admit um quite often the theme is is so it's it's nice that you know he it's there and and i think i think it's all tied together very well yeah like the the you know you know considering it's uh, you know it's time in history and you know the the artwork Mm-hmm. ties into it, it quite well so i i think the theme is there yeah but it's it's not immersive yeah it doesn't it's not important to gameplay yeah, no it 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 is you know you you when it first gets laid out you look at it and you think oh you know this is uh i you know the artwork's very nice it seems to you know go you know thematically go very well with the you know the title and but yeah now that i've looked at all that okay where where do i get all my points from you know what what can I do in the, in this district? What action yeah. do I get to get, you know, get to take? And uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like when, once you're past the artwork, it's just strictly where yep. do I move this cube in order to get another cube? Yeah, that, that's <laughs> so. essentially it. And you know, it, and it can be said that a lot of his games are like that. They'll have they'll have a theme. They'll look nice, and maybe they'll um, in some way sort of try to pull in that theme a bit. But it's it's more it, it's just kind of a it's a standard euro. You're doing stuff with cubes, yep. but not to say it's bad because I enjoy euros. It's just that's what it is. Okay, well now we'll go on to the next game, which is Ohm. Ohm came out in 2016, so it's pretty recent. The designer is Gunter Burkhart. I'm not going to even try to go through half of his games because he's been designing since 1994 uh, up until now, and it seems like most of them are, or all of them, are mainly German Euros. Um, there are some notable names that I do recognize, like I do recognize Machu Picchu. Um, there's one from 2001, Kupfer Kessel Company. Um, it's actually a game that my wife and I own and, and enjoy. It's a it's a good little game. Um, and more recently, there's a few that I have seen on the shelves, but I haven't tried, like Sealand, uh, Castelli, and uh, Casa Grande. But um, though until this one, this has been the main one, main big game of his that I've ever tried, um, that being Alm that came out this year, or last year. Artist is uh, Michael Menzel. Uh, mechanisms for this one are area control and area influence, and set collection, that's all they really mentioned. Uh, rating 7.3 out of 804 ratings. So you know it's new when it does hasn't even broken a thousand ratings yet. Rule book. It actually has two books. Uh, they're fairly well laid out, and it's um, because it's a, a typical kind of bureau. It has three languages in each book. English is right in the center, so you could almost, if you really wanted to, pull the staples, take out the English section of each book, and just have English if you wanted. Um, otherwise, you have to sort of go to the middle of the book to find the uh, the English for each one. Uh, the first bu- book is mainly about uh, the rules for playing the game, and it's really it's actually really nicely laid out. Really good diagrams for showing you setup um, and how the different uh, how the action selection works and what the different uh, um, 
things on the board mean the different areas on the board so it's um it's actually really nicely laid out it's a pretty good board uh, book and it's not too hard to um, to follow anything if you're looking for anything in here it's not too hard to find it uh, the second book is more of a reference book it uh, again in the middle is where all the English um, section is and it sort of describes all the different actions um, tiles that you can get and use um, so if there's anything that you really need to figure out what this symbol means that's where you'll be looking is mainly in the second book and there's also a little bit of history in here too um, it tells you a little bit of a history of Ulm both of these uh, games that we're doing today are, are centered around cathedrals um, Notre Dame obviously that's the one that's the one that was, that's the one that's centered in France and Ulm is centered in Germany somewhere because we did, I remember looking yeah, at we the, were city looking of up, the city of Ulm. Uh, the cathedral in Notre Dame is a bit more used than than it is in Ulm. Um, or Notre Dame is a place where you can actually go and get points in that game. In this one, the cathedral is just sort of there for show, mostly. Oh, it was our, our turn marker. It was our, that, That's it. It's our turn marker. So, like, you get a little... Um, when, when you punch it all out, uh, there's a little cathedral you'll sort of fold together that sort of sits in the not quite the middle of the board, like more of the, the top of the board, but in the middle. But it has a little um, steeple area, and that's where turn, your turn counters will go. So they have these special turn counters that um, you use 10. There's like 12 of them. You use 10 of the 12, and each turn you'll put one on top of the steeple. And then once you run out of turn markers, you know the game's over. The turn markers are also part of the game. It's, there's um, an advanced and basic version of the game. Um, we were playing the advanced. We've always just played the advanced version, um, and I'll, when I go through that part, you'll understand why. But that's a, you know that's essentially it. So that's the uh, the rule books are really nicely laid out. The rest of the game, uh, not much, not too much different. It has a, a pretty standard little board. It's not a huge board, so it's, it will fit on any table fairly nicely. Everybody gets um, you know a, a color. It plays up to four players. Um, so you take a, whatever color you want, you'll get uh, a bunch of discs in your color. One will go on um, the five points um, for the point track around the side of the board. You'll, everyone will put a, a disc on the five point spot to start. You also get um, a little boat that will stick on, start on the board. And there's a little river that goes from one side of the board to the other. And everybody starts on the, um, the left-hand side of the board which actually has a negative 11 on it. So there's four negative 11 spots. And uh, so everyone will stick their board on one of those negative 11s. And other than that, you also get three crests for your color. And those will be used as I described the uh, the playthrough. Um, now, the the way this game... And you get a bunch of um, cardboard chits, and they're all square chits. And there's uh, five different uh, pictures for these chits. Um, there's one that sort of looks like a book one that looks like a seal there's a, a checkerboard pattern um, there's a coin picture and there's a boat picture so those are the five different um, types of seals there's also like we mentioned there was the turn markers and it's just a little um, not even a square it's, a, it's sort of a re little rectangle that has a couple little jutting ends, ends off of it and they, they sort of fit in the, the um, in sort of the steeple area of the cathedral and they're mainly used for um, uh, just passing the round, so each round a new one will go up. But in the advanced version, there's two sides to them. One's just a plain side, nothing to it, and you just go through ten rounds and that's it. 
But on the advanced side, when you flip them over, they have little um, uh, some iconography on it. And so what it is is each round, you'll have a different condition applied to that round. And it could be something like, you know, you can take a certain action cheaper this round or even more expensive. Or it could be by the end of the round, if you haven't done a certain thing, you might lose five points. So there's a couple, like out of the, I think out of the 12 different possible actions that, or effects there could be, you're only ever using 10. I think there's two that you could actually lose points on. Um, but the rest of them, for the most part, are beneficial. And then, like I said, there's a couple where you might end up paying a little bit more for something. Um, but those, that's sort of the advanced game. And that's how I've only ever played it is with the advanced role like that. Uh, how the game works is everybody um, gets, you'll start the game with a random um, one of those action markers. And it's the square markers with those five different symbols on it. On the board, there's a whole bunch of little places. There's um, like about eight different what they call districts. And their districts are, are separated by um, a striped... Uh, banner going through each district and uh, there's a total of I think five districts on the top above the river and below the river is about three districts and as you move your boat along the river um, you'll be in, in in the neighborhood of different districts as you go and where depending where your boat is when you take a certain action during the action phase you'll only be able to influence certain districts depending where your boat is um, and that sort of brings me to the action phase. Now, how you determine what actions you take each turn is based on a grid. And in the top right corner of the board is a, a, uh, a grid that's laid out that's um, three by three. And you randomly put out a bunch of these action tiles on the grid. So it's, full, it's filled up. Um, and then at each row and column, there's also a, a picture that corresponds to one of the um, quadrants or, or sectors on the board. Um, and so how you take an action in this game is you reach into a bag, pull out an action square, and then slide that action square into the grid. And then whatever three actions are in the row that you push after you're done are, are the actions you'll take. So th like I said, there's an, uh, one where you'll take a, a coin from the supply um, there's one where you can move your boat a space on the river, one where you will um, take a what's called a, a card action, and there's a deck of cards where when you take a card action, you can draw from the, the deck to, uh, to do something with a card, and each card will have two different um, uses. It can either be used for the top action, which is an immediate use it and maybe get some points and that's you then you discard the card or at the bottom of the card is a uh, keep it around for the end of the game to gain points based on some rule so that's the card action cube there is the uh, the grid as you're pushing um, these squares around the grid there's going to be a there's like a little bit of a an area uh, right beside the grid where these these chits will be pushed to and what they do is they sort of end up cluttering up the edge of the grid. And as they, um, as you push something into that little space, it means you can't push anything in that particular row again until it's cleared, until that little space is cleared. And that's what the grid action's for. When you take a grid action, you can take all the, um, all the squares that are along one particular side of the grid 
and put them into your play area. And this is how you will gain gain these um, chits for use in various actions. The card action requires you to put two chits into the bag before you can take a card. If those two chits match, then what you get to do is take two cards and choose one and discard the other. So that's what those um, that's what collecting those chits will be for, um, beneficial for you. There's also the seal action, and the seal action is where you'll pay two coins to the bank, and that's where you get to take one of your little uh, round discs and place it on one of the districts. Districts, yeah, one of the districts that your boat is currently next to, and and the dis- different districts will have different abilities. Some will let you. Um, Pull, um, pull a chit from a, the harbor. There's a little harbor area where five of these chits are sitting. You can pull a chit from there and add it to your supply and maybe take a coin and move your boat as well. Uh, there's some where you can get a special little um, character sort of um, token. And each there's about five, four different character tokens you can potentially get in that one particular district. And each one gives you a special ability. Um, there's one where you can, instead of playing the, uh, the chit you pull out of the bag, you can play one that you have in front of you instead. So you swap it with one you have in front of you and push it into the grid. So they give you some benefits that way. Um, there's an area where you, there's a special stack of shields, which are face down. And if you place your, uh, your seal in, um, one of two areas that, that interact with these shields, You'll take two shields, flip them over, and take a look at them, and choose one of the two. If it's silver, if it's a if it's a silver one, you'll get immediate number of uh, victory points based on what's on that um, shield, and you get to place an influence marker on the grid um, with the equivalent picture. Uh, if it's a gold one, you'll probably get a couple points, but then you'll take one of the crests that you have in in your color. And place it over top of the corresponding gold um, crest on the board. And what that does is whenever somebody places one of their influence tokens in that area, it's considered that you have control of that area and you'll get additional points whenever that happens. And most areas have about four free spaces. There's a, there's a couple with three free spaces and there's one that has even more. So typically you'll end up getting between eight or nine points if that particular uh, quadrant and district, whatever gets fil- you know gets used up with um, with influence discs. There's a few other areas that you can um, use seal actions where you'll gain additional cards or additional points based on how many places you put district cards. But that's essentially it. Whenever you're doing the seal action, depending where your boat is, you'll get to place an influence um, disc on the board. Um, to get a benefit. Um, other than the seal action, there's also, I mentioned there's a boat action. Uh, you'll typically get to move one space every time you uh, take that action. You tend to, uh, what'll happen though is you'll leapfrog other people in front of you. So if you're right behind somebody, you go to the next available space that's free um, when you take a move action. So sometimes you can go from one to a few spaces in one leap just because of how many people are ahead of you. Um, and then each space on the river starts, you know, you start at negative 11 points, but as you go further and further down the, the river, it, uh, the penalty goes less and less down and eventually you'll cross a bridge and you'll start getting 
bonus points. And these are all for the end of game scoring. So when you do end of game scoring, you'll score points based on cards you have in front of you. You'll score points based on where your boat is on the river. And the last thing you score points for is something I forgot to mention. Um, there's these little sparrow chips that everybody starts with a couple of these. Sparrow chips are worth um, one point for each one that you have at the end of the game. But during the game, they can also be used um, to help you sort of mitigate the randomness of the actions that you pull out of the bag. So say you pull a, an action out of the bag that when you slide it in, you really don't want to take that action. There's an area called the harbor, and it's near the end of the uh, the river. And it's uh, it's one of the gold areas, so somebody can you know take control of the harbor and, and get points for it. But the harbor has five, it starts with five um, action chits on it, one of each type. And for one of your sparrows, you can change the uh, the action tile that you put out of the bag with one that's at the harbor. So you can sort of mitigate a bit that way um, what actions you uh, you can take during your turn. Um, yeah, the game just continues going. It, has, it goes for 10 turns. Um, I don't think I missed any of the action tiles, did I? No. No, I think I got them all. The five different actions you can take. Uh, oh, one thing I forgot to mention is whenever you place one of those shields and you um, either take a silver shield or a gold shield, I did mention once that you put your um, one of your little influence um, discs on the, uh, the grid, on the corresponding building that looks like it. Um, as people push towards one of your influence markers on the grid, you'll get a sparrow. So it's it, it can be a way to sort of, um, I don't know, not, maybe not necessarily mess with people, but you sometimes will say, I don't want to necessarily push in that direction to give you a sparrow. I'll maybe look to see if there's another advantageous way for me to, to move. Or maybe I'll push towards my influence marker on the grid just so I can get a sparrow because you can give yourself sparrows that way. Um but there's a little bit of that. There's not a lot of direct player influence in the game, but um, that's sort of one of them is is how you manipulate the grid. But yeah, at the end of the uh, ten rounds, you add up all your points, and whoever has the most points is the winner. Um, so yeah, that's Ulm, and it, it's a it's like I said, it's a new game. Um, we got it, you know, for for a new game, we got it fairly inexpensive. I guess you know nowadays, I think it was like a forty forty five dollar game. So when you look at how much games are nowadays, that's fairly inexpensive. Yeah, yeah that's downright reasonable. Yeah, it these is. Days. Yeah, and I don't know for a for a, a new euro. I know. I, I yeah, and that's really the other thing it. is yeah. is euros tend to be a bit more expensive. I think they can, especially if they have a lot of pieces. Yeah. Like you get some of those ones with like a big like well, Uwe Rosenberg. Mm-hmm. We talked about one. Did we talk about one of his games earlier? I can't remember. Maybe, Maybe not. I, I don't remember now. I can't remember if we've done one of his games or not. But I know we probably will in the future anyways. And um, his games are big, boxy games, and they're in the $100 range. Tons of wood. And tons of wood, tons of cardboard. cardboard yeah. It's just, it's, it's, you know, you can use it to stop a door. You could do whatever. They're heavy games. So this one's a lot smaller than most. It's a standard size game. But, you know, when you open the box, there's not a lot in it. It's, it's a fairly, yeah. you know, it, it, there's probably more box than there is game. But it's, I think they did a pretty good job with it. Oh yeah, I I wasn't uh I, I had no complaints about the the quality of the game and the artwork and yeah, n- none of it seemed, you know, cheap and flimsy. So. Yeah. No, definitely yeah. not. And what do you think of the action selection, like how you do your actions in this one? 
with the grid having to push into the grid I think you have to give a bit more thought in this one because uh, you know as you say there it there's not a lot of direct player in um, interaction but there is some yeah and so I think when when I'm choosing my uh, my actions in this one you know you're, you're thinking ahead a little bit you know at like what what district is coming up next um, you know uh, do I do I want to you know be the first one to get uh, you know gold shield on on that thing and um, and and yeah not not giving people sparrows that sort of thing so um, I, I think you had to give a lot well not a lot but a little bit more thought of, you know about the actions you take because um, you're you're looking for that player interaction whereas in Notre Dame it's it's really just you know whatever I want to do you know, right. what do I want to do this round I don't really care what anybody else is doing because yeah. I can't really do anything about their choices and uh, the the grid was definitely an, an interesting mechanism in the game. Um, you know, there. You know, I, I think its original layout is 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 randomly chosen from the bag kind of yeah. thing. So it there's is. a little bit of uh, you know element of luck with what you're going to have available to you. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah. especially early because that's where you can claim districts is the the first couple districts there's one that you start that you pass by really quickly and then there's a second one below that also you'll pass fairly quickly that yeah if you don't get those districts and it's not even for the control of the district it's more for placing your token on that grid mm-hmm. yeah you need to get that and if you don't get seal actions early to be able to place something up there you're not going to be getting sparrows mm-hmm. and quite honestly from the playthroughs we've had, sparrows are the game winner yeah, in this they, game. Yeah, they do make a, quite a bit of difference. It's one point per sparrow, that's for sure. Um, oh, and then there's special cards that make them worth more up to a certain point. Yeah. And there's that you sometimes are willing to get rid of that point to gain like two or three based off of a switching your action kind of right. thing. But in general, just hoarding them is not a bad strategy. It's a lot of points yeah. that yep. just... Yeah, I think that worked out well for you, didn't it, Randall? Uh, I think it worked out okay. Did I win ours? I think you did. Yeah, oh, okay. you won the second one. Because I know I have, I, I haven't won, maybe that's the only time I've won this game. I don't know. There's, I, there's quite a few times where I've lost this game, so it's not like I have it figured out. But the the first time we played, I won with the exact same strategy. That's like, true. Yeah, it that's it true. was move the boat, get sparrows, and the, it won both times that yeah. it was used. So the second playthrough, I tried using the cards more yeah. instead of going for that because I saw the sparrows, it was fairly dominant, and I was like, let's see if there's another yeah. way. But the cards the cards are a little bit lacking for me in this one. Mm. I, it, it's the set collection part where you have your artist cards and your... Yeah. But they're almost all better to play for their top bit than to wait till the end. For and the immediate benefit of For the than... set collection yeah. stuff. Well, even the, the cathedral building aspect where if you... It's like you get... There's three parts to the cathedral, if I remember correctly. Right. There's three cards that you can get that yeah build three different parts of the cathedral for you. Yeah. And at the end of the game, if you have all three, it's worth 18 points. Yeah. But if you play the top action, each one's worth six points. That's true. So there's absolutely no reason to hold on to the card unless you can't afford the tile to play it. That's the thing. Because like for the top part, you're usually discarding a tile. So you have to have one of the tiles in front of you available to discard to get the six points and it has to be a specific type of tile to get it yeah 
So yeah, there is that. So you're giving up a tile. Where to play the bottom, you're not. Play it. Yeah, you're you not don't have to give anything. You yeah. can just play the card. But the chances of you getting the set aren't great. They they can be tough. You have to really go hard on cards if you want to try to get the set. So like taking all the card actions you can, um, or using all the spaces on the board that let you interact with the deck. Yep. Because um, there's quite a few spaces where they'll let you take a card action, or it'll let you take a card, the top card off of the draw pile, or at the very end, there's even a space that'll let you go through the discard pile to get a card, or take three cards off the top of the deck and find one. Choose one, yeah. Yeah. So if you really want to go hard on the cards, you can. There's quite a few options for that. But it, I don't think it's an optimal strategy. Like, yeah, I, I, it may not because it's a, it, well, it is fairly random. It's a it is a fairly random game, especially when you're playing with four players. Um, I was playing with somebody on the weekend um, at an event, and we were playing four players, and his comment was he really liked the game, but he thought that he might like it better two-player, like him and his wife playing it, because it would be easier to plan your turn. The grid wouldn't change as quickly. The grid wouldn't change as quickly. Yeah, that's true. Because with four players, that grid, you don't know. By the time it's your turn again, that grid's going to be totally different from... Well, uh, yeah, that's part of the strategy is you might have a certain direction pushed off. It's like you see the three actions you want to take, but you can't push it the way you want because it's blocked. It's blocked. Yeah, and that was was actually something I, uh, you know, actually just as you were Mm -hmm. talking about the the grid initially, um, you know, you were saying it's a three by three and, and... you know, it's it's sort of kind of really a five by five, right? Because there's you, a you space can, beside on each side. Yeah, and and you can kind of use that a little bit, mm-hmm. um, you know, during game two, essentially lock, yeah, a, you know, a row a row or a column. And it can be possible as and, you're playing to totally lock up the grid yeah. and have no available moves, and then at that point you take all the the extra tiles around the side of the grid, discard them into the bag, and and start going again. Yep. So, yeah, I think it's only happened once in, in any games I've played so far, but it, it is something that can happen. Yeah, we, we didn't lock up the entire no. grid at any point, but uh, I think at, at some point there was probably, you know, two, maybe three yeah. rows, columns or whatever that were that were locked. Right. That somebody had to clear out. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Yeah, again with this one, it's, it's a bit of a point salad, but... I, I think you what? you can to some extent look at, at what your what your neighbors are are doing and and react a little bit. Right. You can start to go after, you know, change up your strategy a little bit to mm-hmm. to target things that are going to maximize your points later on. Um, I still see but, it though as, as the optimal strategy is collecting as collecting many sparrows, sparrows as and possible. moving yeah. slowly at first. You move your boat like yeah. a space or two mm-hmm. early. So that you're in the race, but so that you can collect those early districts and then focus on getting your boat out of there. Yeah. And like, get it right to the end. Because you get all the way to the end, it's like collect plus sparrows. 18 points, I think it is. is the very uh, 11, I think it was. was, it, was it? Oh, it was plus 11 the yeah. maximum? Okay, maybe that's possible. I've been thinking something else. But then there's a yeah. card that gives you points based off of if you're first, second, or third in yeah. the boat track, if yeah. you can pick that up. and So there, there's a lot of benefit to moving that boat, because especially... Once you get closer to the end, you're getting free items. Like, yeah. it's like you get a free tile, a free coin, a free I didn't card. That. Yeah, at the very end of the uh, the river, there's four spaces that have four symbols, and it's like yeah, a coin, a tile, a card. Plus, being able to play in the last district, it particularly if you've seen a card that it can be a mm-hmm. game changer, go into the discard. Mm-hmm. To be able to play there, you want to be the first to get there to go through the discard pile and grab those cards. So 
it's like you don't want to get caught too much early by not moving just enough to get some places on that grid to get sparrows and collect them aggressively and then start moving your boat to the end to get the last district and play back yeah i'd say if if the you know if, if the sparrow strategy is is so dominant um you know i'd say it's it's a fairly fatal flaw in the game so if if there's if there's ways to kind of combat that or you know if you see one of your opponents taking that if there's some way you can mitigate it to well you can always try and and lock up their position on the board by pushing away from them but it it, it's sacrificing moves for yourself to take away a point from them yeah and you know i guess all depends on on how the actions are laid out on the grid too because yeah sometimes you what are you really going to take a suboptimal grouping of actions just to so someone doesn't get a sparrow yeah but saying that, in the yeah. first time I played through this, I took suboptimal ap- options for yeah. my actions to get sparrows. That's true. Yeah, and if you're trying to get sparrows, that's it, a different it thing. Was, yeah. It was a worthy sacrifice a lot of times. It's yeah, like, yeah. well, I don't really need to collect tiles because I have enough in front of me, but I'll do the tile action because I get to push and give myself a sparrow. And by the end, I had like 20 sparrows. Yeah. And I was first in the boat track, and I had completed a cathedral because I played in the pickup from the discard pile yeah, several yeah. times. So it was just this magical component of actions at the end that just kind of let me run away with it. Yeah. So I tried True. different things with the second playthrough to see if, and it happened to be that it was the same style of play played by someone else that mm-hmm. dominated the game. So I don't know. It needs more playthroughs to see if that truly is. Yeah, yeah. Because like I said, if the if, only way, if that is the dominant strategy, um, I, I think that's a fatal flaw in the game. That yeah. could be, but, and it could yeah. be. But it was, it was still, it was still enjoyable. It's yeah. If you get to your fifth playthrough and that's the only way to win, then it's kind of a problem. Then it's a problem. Yeah. yeah. So we'll have to try it a few more times and see. Because I can't even remember when I played it on the weekend. I can't even think who. I, I know who won. I just can't think if he did. Uh, a sparrow themed one or not because it is his first playthrough so he may not have even thought of it but um i know i didn't win but i can't think of what my, my strategy was at the time um yeah but there you go so yeah that's um that's all uh like a pretty recent uh recent game and nothing really like uh, i wouldn't say there's anything uh unique or not unique but um groundbreaking on it you know it but it does have some interesting ways of using some some mechanisms, like that grid, using a grid like that for mm-hmm. choosing your actions. I don't think I'd seen anything like that before. Really. It was definitely unique. So that yeah. was new. That was kind of cool. And just touch on theme, too. Like we said Notre Dame, it was yeah. interesting art. But yeah. after that, there was nothing. All seemed, it, you felt a little more like you were in the theme a little more. Like It, it still didn't so. play a huge ass, like no. part yeah. in the game. But it, it felt a little... Because everyone's kind of... It's almost like a boat race going on yeah, at the same you're, you're time. Influencing as influencing districts. Yeah, you're. Yeah, you can purchase districts for people to play in, which gave you points yeah. and stuff like that. So there's a little more interaction in the board. Yeah, at the same a lot time, more interaction. Yeah. yeah, even though there's nothing that's a real screw you mechanic in this, um, it it is a little bit more contentious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all which about I, which I think helps with with the immersion. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, I think we can probably just go ahead now and, and see if we have a winner. It's hard, you know, it's always hard for me because I do really love Stefan Feld. I, I've been playing his games. Like, I have a lot of his games, and I enjoy them all. 
but I can and and Notre Dame is one of my early ones that I you know the very first one I ever played of his. But I do think you know even though Ulm, I don't think it's like a, a cult of the new kind of thing. I think just just Ulm, I think it was just a little bit more enjoyable for me. Um, I just enjoyed the the theme a little bit better, even though the cathedral in the middle, it's more it's just a turn tracker. That's all it really is. But with the little when you do the advanced play and you have the little um, things that affect each round that um, you have to keep in mind, it it, it does you know uh, give the game a bit of uh, variety, mm-hmm. you know. Because, like I said, there's a total of 12 different um, things that could be affecting you, and you're only ever using 10, so it could be changed up a little bit each game. Well, and even well, where, what need... turn you draw them in, yeah, yeah, has a exactly. huge impact. Yeah, they're, they're not going to come out in the same order. No, they're not. And if you get like if you get both of those ones, that there's two that will give you like negative five points if you don't fulfill them on a particular turn, um, that could really hurt you, too. That's why they start you at five points. But if you had an early game where you had two of those negative fives and you really had to... You know, spend like I think one is you have to one is you have to put two um, tokens, uh, two of those action tiles from your supply into the bag. So if you don't have two action tokens to put, you're gonna lose five points. And then the other one, I can't remember what the other one was. Wasn't it coin? Well, you needed some money or something. It might have. Been. I can't remember. Been, to I don't think we actually saw it. It was just from yeah, the book. It's possible. It might be. That I could even take a look and see what it is. But it might be something as simple as yeah, you pay a couple coins into the bank. Um, to avoid losing uh, five points. Actually, I got it open right here to it. And the... Yeah, there's the two uh, action tiles. Yeah, two coins. So it's either pay... One is pay two action tiles into the bag to avoid losing five points. And then the one is pay two coins. And sometimes it can be kind of tough to get coins. Yeah. Because the only way to really get them... Well, well there's a coin a, action. There's a few actions. It's the most... There's the coin action in the grid, which if you're lucky, there's one there. Otherwise, yeah. you're, you're kind of screwed. Or there are a few spaces on the board where if you can do a seal action, which costs coins, um, you can get a coin that way too. So it's almost or the occasional card if you can. Yeah, th- there's the occasional card that there if you spend a tile, that... it'll give you coins and bolt movement kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Anyways, as, as I was saying, I think I'm I'm going with Ulm on this one. I I, I think so too. I I don't. I, I guess that's what with the proviso that it turns out that. Yeah, that the sparrows don't actually ruin the game. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly my opinion. And it all um, depends on, I guess, what everyone else is doing. So, like, if you're going sparrow centric and no one else is really collecting sparrows, then I could see it maybe overpowering it and taking over. But if everyone, if you get people who are seasoned, who played it a few times, who, who sort of know that sparrows are important, it could be very different then because mm-hmm. you know hopefully everybody's trying to get sparrows and. Then you're also looking at another way of trying to mitigate, you know, get those extra points. Then it'd be a bit more interesting. So yeah. it'd really be not the kind of game where you want to have one person who's experienced with the game and a bunch of newbies because they won't know about it, and you will. And it'd be really easy to take advantage of that. Yep, for sure. Um, Jeff, I, I tentatively all. It, tentatively it will, all. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it really. Yeah, the, the gameplay and stuff it was just it was a more solid game but yeah. if it turns out that that is the flaw of it that that strategy will always dominate it mm-hmm. it will fall back because they're they're so close yeah they are close and there's just something uh, i think it's that all you get that small amount of interaction with the other players yeah. where notre dame it's just about the drafting mechanic that i didn't really Which enjoy wasn't... as part of that game to begin with yeah and that was your only interaction is what cards you're passing to your left well, the other thing I, I really liked about Ulm, um, you know, as opposed to 
Notre Dame. Like I said, with no- Notre Dame, there's there's really nothing, uh, you know, stopping you from from taking whatever whatever approach you want to that. Like I said, there's almost um, whatever possibilities there are there. But with Ulm, resources are a bit more limited. Yeah. Um, and and there, there's some competition for those resources. Yes, definitely. And so you have to react to, oh, that space is taken now. Or, yeah. you know what, um, the next, you know, if I, if I actually take that boat action, I'm going to be like hopping over three people, which, you know, might put me out of the it, district. Well, it might be great because you, know? you don't want the district or it might be yeah. horrible because – you're just going to yeah. skip something that you need. Um, and, and then looking at the, at the grid, like, you know, uh, there's, yeah, there's few options here, but you know, the ones, the ones that I would really like to take, I can't because yeah. you know, that, that row's blocked or whatever. And, and, you know, if I, if I do the thing I want, it might set somebody else up for something that I don't want them to do. So, you know, I think having those kind mm-hmm. of, um, um, those kind of considerations there, throughout the game yeah. i think actually made it more interesting yeah because yeah, it is you're you're really yeah you're really deciding okay how do, how am i going to take the best advantage of that grid to take you know what mm-hmm. actions that'll benefit me whereas in notre dame you're yeah you're doing the drafting but then you're ending up with three cards um so okay i'm playing this card then uh, well, i'm playing this card and then that's it and other than money there's very there's no real resource scarcity in notre dame like that if you don't no. have a cube you just move a cube from a different district to the yeah. one you want to play it on like, yeah yeah so once you had enough cubes on the board, it was kind of irrelevant mm-hmm. that, that you got more cubes. And as long as you were willing to move something from some district to a different district, it was yeah. kind of. Yeah. So the only limiting factor was money, where Alm, there's the tiles, there's cash. Mm-hmm. Then there's the whether or not you have, you know, a card to play or something. Yeah. It, so th- there's just a little bit more variety there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. So there you have it this week. Uh, Ulm is our winner. Um, so now let's uh, go on to Imperial Assault. Um, like I said, we haven't been doing a lot with Imperial Assault still. Uh, still be playing the campaign. Uh, we got one more game in uh, since our last uh, episode. And Jeff, <laughs> Jeff was a jerk. <laughs> well, he wasn't so much a jerk as that his dice were jerks. Oh. <laughs> wow, your dice were jerks. You should have been using my dice. Yeah, You're I mean, using your own dice. This, 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 <laughs> we this have sec- ourselves to blame. Is the second mission though where Jeff has had just sworn we should be able to do this one? <laughs> oh yeah, I I don't see how you guys can possibly not win this one. No, that's not what I said. <laughs> I said I feel like you I'm guys should hyperbole. be able to pull this one out. Yeah, <laughs> But it was, again, you know, it was, it very, was very close. close yeah. it, it's, it comes down to the very end. It's like, can we maneuver it? But we just couldn't. Um, we were doing Shyla's mission and yeah. trying not to give too much away uh, if for if people who haven't done the campaign yet. Uh, her mission is all about collecting data. Um, she's trying to find her heritage. She's trying to find her heritage. And there's these data points that you're trying to recover on the map. And there's a number of them. And we have to get all of them to complete the mission. And... It, it, the problem came down to we were our, our defenses was rolling was just not there and his attack rolling was huge and yeah. he flipped three of us fairly quickly and it was two turns turn, two or three turns yeah. three of us were flipped and when then the only person left was Shyla and it, we couldn't let her get flipped so we had her running around the board hiding while the rest of us were trying to uh, our best, you know, flipped to try to collect these uh, data things. So. Well, and then and then once once the rest of us were flipped, our our movement dropped, 
and, yeah, and we yeah. just drops significant. Yeah, we well, just even could, by one point can be significant. In this well, case. especially when we could, it was we movement could move far enough. You yeah, needed movement to, to yeah. collect the data. Yeah. So when you lose that movement point, it's a huge. Yes. So, and, uh, and you also lose endurance, which can be huge too. Yeah. If I remember correctly, though, we 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 got to the point where we only had one left. Yes. Yep. But we just couldn't. You just reach it. there was. Yeah. You needed to use Mern's push ability with her gun to get him off pistol. of the terminal to have someone else come in and but collect the info. Because she was wounded, she was just that one space yeah. short and yeah. you didn't have endurance to spend to get close enough. Yeah. So, yeah, it really... It, it was fascinating to me because it you guys in one turn collected half of the data points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And at that point, I'm like, oh, they're going to pull this out. Like, it just it's mm-hmm. gonna happen and, yeah, and then... i was right there with you because I, I i remember i i had already i had already been flipped and i was able to in in one turn reach the farthest data point and get it yeah, yeah. and and once once we and, and you actually helped me with the math on that one strangely <laughs> and, and and i like because i was looking i'm thinking like i think i i think i can actually do that one and once we figured out that yeah i can actually activate and get this farthest data cube and you had confirmed it, and everybody's like, "Yeah, let's do this." And at that point, I thought we could do it. Yep. Yeah, we had, we had a and then and then you and had then a turn nothing of just crushing <laughs> dice rolls after that. It was like you guys rolling surge defense and a black die when I roll no surges yeah, with stormtroopers. Like, it's oh. like four damage stormtrooper shot mm-hmm. with against a surge defense, and, yeah. or else you adding your twice, white die yeah. rolling blank. Yeah, I got I got Fen's uh, ability where I can you know spend an endurance and and add a white die to the defense, you know, to my to dice pool, and and twice out of the three times I used it, it came up blank. <laughs> I was, was like, just, oh. awesome. And in the two <laughs> missions, I think it's been two missions that you've had it, it's rolled more blanks than oh, yeah. anything else. Horrible. It, yeah. It's like just, yeah, it yeah, was. I'm so glad I spent the experience. One on turn, it. you guys went from, oh, you have this to, oh my God, mm-hmm. what's happening? Like it kind of started to fall apart. And the, the one thing about this mission is, again, not to spoil it, but yep. that each data point creates a different effect when you flip yeah. it and there there's three of one type two of another and one that's beneficial to the characters yeah there's only one that's beneficial to the characters yeah. and the one that's beneficial to the characters if you actually read like when you read the story part out when you guys flip it yeah it, it's like shyla figures out what she needs to figure out you it, it should have been be yeah it should yeah. have been it's like especially because of the randomness mm-hmm. and how easy it is to prevent you guys from actually taking them it, I was almost like, this sounds like you guys have won. Yeah. But no, you have to collect all of them. And, and at the point that you guys, well, you knew what was coming because you'd already collected all the other colors. There was like one color left. You knew yeah. what it would do. And collecting it was like the worst thing you could do because it was just going to move everyone closer to Shyla. I, I guess, you know, if, if you want to keep it consistent with the story, you know, maybe you go after all six to to make, make sure that there's no data in some other you yeah, know, yeah. Maybe. kind of yeah. thing. But but it just yeah it's oh, kind of weird me well, I, I was yeah. even though i'm the imperial player i was disappointed with that <laughs> conclusion because mm-hmm, i mean yeah. shyla mm-hmm. gets plus two health and some other benefit from that reward card that it, up to this point the missions have been just kicking your guys's ass yep. yep so it would have been nice to see a little bit of a boost yeah yeah and, and I, I i tend to 
I think I will always go for like you know, given a choice, go after the character missions. Yes. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. I know. I think it's just more exciting for for the players. You know when. Oh, you know, like my character can be improved somehow, yeah, or I get a benefit. benefit. You know, yeah. I'm, I get a lightsaber. I think that's, you know, that's always the way to go. I was really disappointed for Marcus. Yeah. Cause yeah, you see something that's so beneficial to your character just get sloughed away and there's no chance to get it now. Well, I, I was especially disappointed for him because the rest of us had been flipped. Yeah. He's the only one left. And, and like I said, all you had to do is, was basically flip him and this is over. And so it's his story mission as Shyla, and she's and running he is away, forced to run. Yeah, and you guys and, and did has... an excellent job of t- delaying me from getting to him for two turns with your stuns and your mm-hmm. uh, like, just killing the right people at the right time kind of mm-hmm. thing. But you guys were just—you could either try and prevent them from killing him or go for that last data yeah. point, and but neither that had one to be worked. Especially frustrating for him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like because totally. all he did was heal. Uh, yeah. I, all I all I can do is sit in a corner. <laughs> healing like and wasting my turn healing yeah, yeah. and 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 everybody else actually trying to do stuff and while yep. he could take the hits from the regular troops like he's rolling well enough with yeah. his defense dice there it didn't matter what he rolled with the grand inquisitor no. on the board because he's pierce three it, it's well yeah he'd, he'd heal and and it was it was just a matter of time yeah like it just didn't work you know and, and i mean I almost felt like I should have moved that Trandoshan off just to give you guys the win at that point. But <laughs> wow. I'm like, that that would have been throwing it. It's no, not no. – like, it wouldn't have been rewarding. That would have been cheap. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. exactly. But even if I had, I think there's only one character who could actually reach it and have the movement to yeah, get maybe. it still. Like, it would have still been difficult. Yeah, it would have been. So, it – Was that me? Yeah, I think, it, I I think, think it you were close enough. Me. It was probably you. Because yeah, I, I, I Vinto I... was dead at that point. Yeah, and I had the. I didn't have I get, I get the two at the start of every activation, yeah. and then I still have three. See, I could, I yeah. could move five. Yeah. Well, five and then three, eight. So I could I could do eight. Yeah. But then it would take two movement to, to actually get it. So. But have six, six plus. Yeah. That mission compared to Mern's. I mean, Mern's it was, it was, was a. It, it was definitely, yeah. I think, more achievable. Yes. Than Mern's yeah. was. Well, yeah. then I I'd also made the mistake in that I told you guys you had one turn before the doors opened. And it was actually two turns. When I first said you guys yeah. can get this easily, no, we hadn't even played it, started playing. Yet, yeah, so. and I was like, you guys can yeah. probably pull this out. You really have five turns to get, but it's really you have four, four turns, turns yeah. to get all the, the data points. The door. Yeah, and if Drew's dice rolling in particular, oh my god, in the beginning <laughs> had been because your shots were yeah. you did like one point of damage on three shots or something yeah. like that in the first yeah. two rounds, and yeah. it was just. If you could have cleared out those stormtroopers and those uh, weakway pirates before the doors opened, mm-hmm. it would have been huge. But when Drew rolled dice, I rolled maximum defense, and he rolled his like minimum rolls. Yep. So it was or just this, when, or when, or he was rolling minimum defense when and you're rolling maximum, maximum. damage. Like, yeah, I run in there like Leroy Jenkins, and then yeah. find out that the safety's still on. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. then against everyone else, it's yeah. like all of turn two, I was rolling like surge defense. Against everyone else's shots yep. except for yours, but that left an entire side still full of troops that could just flood in, and it just it became too much by turn four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But so. I think that one was achievable. Unlike Mern's, I don't think Mern's is achievable. <laughs> yeah. I well, thought Shyla's was achievable. Maybe once once we're done the campaign, we'll go back and see if you could pull we'll it do off. A flashback, yeah, and try that <laughs> and, one and again. try it again with with you know that with all of our upgrades or whatever we got to at the end of the campaign and see if it makes any difference but the know. difference being you guys are fully equipped and i mean 
I think when you did Merns, the threat was two. It'll be like four yeah. or five if you true. like revisit, yeah, right? Yeah, true. And, and I and couldn't it, bring in the Grand Inquisitor at that point. Where no, now you can. I can. So yeah, I don't know if that makes any difference. Yeah, <laughs> it. I I just don't see Merns as achievable. Yeah, it's a but the one. reward is good. Oh like, yeah, definitely. That's I can a, understand I why. Being tough because you get a really good reward. And like it. I was discussing with Randall when I first showed up here, waiting for Drew. It was. Uh, the next mission actually isn't the one I told you guys you were going to play. I drew a Liar. forced mission from oh, okay. so the agenda deck. So you have first. a forced mission. Yep. And when I was looking at it, it seems that it's like because it's solely a reward for the Imperial player, it actually looks like it's an uphill battle for the Imperial player to achieve his reward in this one. Where yeah. everything else Whereas that it's... Nothing. You guys Decorate. will... You guys, in everything else, it's like in Shiloh's mission, it's purely a boost to the Rebels, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. So it is weighted a little in the Imperials' favor, I think. Same with uh, Merns, too. Yeah. It would have been a boost. Because that camera droid would have been yeah. forcing de- forcing activations rather than allowing the Imperial for. player to yeah. actually pick how he wants to go would have a huge impact on the game. Yeah. So I can understand it being tougher. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's all we've done campaign-wise so far um, recently. Um, and then the only other real new news... New news um, for Imperial Assault is they finally gave us a preview. They started doing the previews for the... Uh, two months after they announced it. Two months after they announced, us. they finally did a preview for what's coming out right away. Um, so it means we're going to be seeing these in the store soon. Because um, there'll only be like two more previews to go before they hit the store, I bet. And that's the preview for uh, the for the Imperial Droids, BT-1 and 000. And... Uh, well, you know, I don't know if it's a huge difference from what we were talking about with them before, but uh, they do look good. They look really interesting. Yeah, triple zero. Yeah. And it, it's kind of weird, too, because, you know, they're releasing these guys, and, you know, if you haven't read the books, or, or is it the graphic novel, is it? The graphic novel. The graphic yes. novel. You have no clue who they are. Like, I haven't read the, the graphic novel, so I don't... It's like, okay, yep, there's a couple droids. One's a weird-looking R2-type unit, and the other one's a whatever droid like a astro um a protocol droid so okay interesting they have some neat abilities but who he, they are means really nothing to me he's not a protocol droid why well, no he's <laughs> not a protocol droid he looks he is, like a protocol droid he is an insane uh advanced ai that wants to kill anything that's fleshy yeah <laughs> well there you go and his companions the astromech droid that shares his opinion in all things yeah and they yeah. just love killing they're they're humorous <laughs> characters in the graphic novels if you have a chance to see them read it read it i'm kind of interested to read it's nice in life to find someone who shares your interest yeah (laughs) you know have a a buddy and how they interpret (laughs) them for the game is both amusing and useful like i mean uh triple zero's abilities are all about just straining and weakening anybody that's around him and i mean he can become focused i believe if he Uh... spends an action what, what, what was his top action yeah, there? Yeah, like, no, it's the second one where it's an uh, activate to do invasive procedure. Yeah. And an adjacent figure suffers a wound, a strain, and becomes bleeding, and then you become focused. So, like, oh, why? Yeah. And then he has a weirdy, weird ability, like, it's a surge called Shocking Palm. And it's kind of, it's like you roll your attack, and then you do the surge, and the attack misses, and your defender becomes stunned. 
So it's like instead of doing damage, you stun the guy. If yeah. you're doing like a point of damage to say yeah, if you're doing really, Luke, yeah, and you would prefer to just mm-hmm. stun him, stun yeah. him instead. No, totally. It's just really interesting. Like you got, he's got a red yellow. So I guess it depends if he rolls. Oh, well, and he's melee. Yeah. So yeah. well, yeah, he's melee totally. But I mean, his unnerving ability at the end of your activation, each adjacent hostile figure becomes weakened. Yeah, and I mean that too. Make automatically make everybody near that, him weakened. He, that's too. Well, that's actually three conditions he can give out in a round. He can stun, he can fo- yeah. or he can bleed, and he can weaken, and then he can also focus himself. But it's also really contingent on him being out there in the middle of everything. But he's... Mm-hmm. He's, uh, four, he, four he's speed. Four speed, eight health, eight health. black yeah, defense black die, defense. and he's only four points. True. Yeah, that, he's cheap. Yeah, he's, it's the cost that... Yeah, cost to health threat. ratio is yeah. Yeah. great. And, I mean, red-yellow isn't a bad no, not melee all. attack, it's, but... It's not that that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Sure, you attack if you can because he's got recover too. So if he's taking wounds, that'll keep him in the fight. Yeah. But you're really looking at getting up and weakening people and doing automatic damage with the invasive procedure. Yeah, yeah. I can I can see people focusing on on taking him out early just to prevent all those conditions from showing. And up. if you let him activate next to one of your people, yeah. he's now getting green, red, yellow. Because yeah. he's focusing. You know he's going to do invasive procedure if he starts next to you. Yeah. So you're taking yeah. a wound, a strain, bleeding. He becomes focused, and then you're getting a melee attack in the face. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. he's he's an excellent character. And yeah. it, it fits with his theme as well. Because yeah. he's got, like, these shock palms mm-hmm. where he sends jolts of electricity through people's bodies <laughs> that he touches. So yeah. it's like it makes sense that he has the stun and the bleeding because he likes to cut people and inject them with <laughs> toxins and stuff. He's, he's an amusing character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really got to read that. <laughs> See what, you know, what his thing is. And then you got BT1. Um, I think who was, you know, 10 health. He's, he costs 6. 10 health. 4 speed again. Black die. Uh, blue, red, yellow ranged attack. And then he has a special missile salvo, which he can use those three attack dice against three different um, units um, with plus 3 accuracy. So it's you know he probably needs to be fairly close for it because red has no accuracy and yellow has very little so or it's hard to get accuracy on yellow so and what what's important to note for them and I I actually and he becomes focused what was triple uh, zero was he a hunter as well uh or he's, no, just, he's a droid. just a droid okay so BT one has the ability yeah or the and keywords heavy of heavy weapon droid and hunter yeah so as they point out in this article. If you use Missile Salvo mm-hmm. with Hunter cards and Heavy Weapon cards, you're adding Assassinate tools mm-hmm. for the job, yeah. like Lock On. There's so many command cards that can be played with this. Mm-hmm. And then his own card, you exhaust it when you make an attack so that nothing blocks line of sight. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's a very decent, and you're paying a bit more for him with six points. Yeah. And, like, the health-to-point ratio is a little worse than triple zero, but he's got 10 health mm-hmm. for six points, yeah. and you're not going to complain about that. That's yeah, yeah. decent. And, again, he's got a recovery one surge. So 10 health with recover one every round if you're rolling three dice isn't hard to pull off. Mm-hmm. And blast one, not bad. Yeah, yeah. It, it adds something to the Imperial side that they've, haven't had a lot of and that's the hunter trait because they've only yeah. they only had the grand inquisitor, grand inquisitor to this is point. only real hunt well no i guess captain tarot now isn't he isn't captain tarot hunter no he's or trooper no he's trooper, trooper creature oh i thought one of those guys maybe i'm wrong 
Yeah, I don't think he's hunter. No. Okay, I could be totally wrong. I might be thinking of someone else then. I think he's just trooper, trooper creature. creature. Yeah. And yeah. leader. Leader, sorry. It was in oh, there as yes. well for Tarot. Yeah. Yeah, the dewback rider would Yeah, trooper yeah, creature for normal dewback and Tarot's the leader. Mm, okay. So these I think they're doing a good job with these yeah. from what I can see of them. They're incorporating something that while not everyone's read the graphic novels and know the characters, they're useful. They're like they're mm-hmm. they're good additions to an army. Yeah. And that's even before their special cards, their command cards. Yeah, um, I, I was looking for the command cards in here. I, well, uh, triple zeros, he uses an action, and each hostile figure in line of sight suffers one strain and becomes weakened, and that's a one-point command card. Okay. It's called Eerie Visage. Oh, there it is. Yeah. So his is decent. I mean, yeah. everyone in line of sight getting weakened with follow-up shots from like other units, because... I mean, they're not going to be able to activate everybody mm-hmm. he can see to get rid of the weakened state means that they're losing an evade. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. That could be really good. And they also give, uh, yeah, there's BT1s where user activation, place this card on your deployment card, then exhaust it before you declare an attack, figures an unlocked line of sight during this attack. So that's like, it's like it gives them an extra ability. Yeah. And it, it's every turn. Yeah. yeah. Just, here, here's an extra ability. You pay a point for it when you get it out. You hope you see it early. Yeah, you really want to see it early. Yeah, absolutely. And they also give IG eighty eight a card too. No, I think that's just his normal one. Yeah, they're just showing because they they talk about doing the droid army. Yeah, and then they're like, "Well, that's the Jawa. We haven't seen the Jawa yet." So they give together. They give a hint at what you're getting with your a new agenda deck that's centered on droids for the campaign. Yeah, and then there's also shared experience, which is droid or vehicle card command card. Yeah, and that use your during your activation you spend three movement points to become focused and then when a friendly droid or vehicle is defeated you may redraw this card so mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. i like that card for one point yeah it's a free focus for movement and there's there's more than just the droids because it's vehicle that can be used with jet troopers are made better with this card yeah true they don't necessarily need focus but because they're they can be rolling especially the elites are rolling mm-hmm. three dice every time but Four dice isn't four bad. Four dice isn't bad. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, four dice isn't bad. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. one point command card compared to using Vader's Finest to get the focus at the beginning. Yeah. Well, it's a one point that gives you an extra chance to get a focus. Yeah. It's only, you, only, you only have one of them in your... But it, the fact that you get to redraw it every time someone dies. True. If yeah. you have a droid vehicle deck. Droid or vehicle, I mean, yeah. That, that's pretty good. Yeah, that that's actually really is. That is really good. But I think... A, like a droid army particularly when we see their final print for ig88 skirmish upgrade card yeah I, I think it's becoming a viable theme that you can play but until they actually give us all of them but i could see taking an imperial group with bt1 and triple zero yeah and then temporary alliance ig88 well, maybe not IG-88 because he wouldn't get a skirmish upgrade card then. That's true. Uh, so you had, you'd be taking him there. Yeah. But you could still do, like, assassin droids or HK HKs, yeah, sorry. HKs, yeah. And then take probe droids and stuff. Yeah. Just to, and then because there's cards that are good for both vehicles and droids, you could take jet mm-hmm. troopers or whatever else fits for points. I mean, I haven't gone through and made a list or anything, so. Yeah. And these guys won't be out. I don't think they're going to be out in time for Worlds anyway, so... Hopefully not. Yeah. So you don't want to throw too much at people. Yeah, you know? it'd be 
Yeah, if they're on time for that, it'd be you know they'll probably see a lot of that. I don't know if you'd see a lot or not, but I think at something like that, you're going to see people playing what's comfortable because yeah, it's a lot of if you're if you can get enough play time in to surprise someone with some like some new list that can shock people Mm -hmm. and kind of throw them off their game, sure that'll win. But are you going to be comfortable enough knowing your list in the time that you have to prepare for something like Worlds, considering the cost and the travel and I think you'll see more of your standard, well, apparently lots of uh, mercenary units. I don't mm-hmm. know what, what Skirmish is at right now because we've been, well, we haven't played we in played like in a month and a half. Yeah. We've been taking a bit of a break, yeah. So I don't know what the current meta, if it's shifted a little bit now that people are more comfortable with Java's Realm or not. Right. But. Yeah, I haven't, no, I've been on the forums, but I haven't been following too closely at the moment, so. Well, there's there's been such a lull, like not just in yeah. the fact that we're not playing, but then there's been no news. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been kind of wild. It's been slow. They sort of announced these guys pretty early, and then that's been about it. Like they've been talking about worlds a bit, but yeah, that's it. Like, well, and it, 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 we were discussing before we came on. It, yeah. There, it's like they're they have the quarter two tournament kits ready. But there's been absolutely no news about what's in these yeah, quarter two tournament kits. I heard from the store that the the new kits in like, oh great, yeah, we're just about to have a tournament and we don't know what's in it. I'm assuming it's gonna be something good, but yeah. But there's been just absolutely no hyping of their own product recently. Yeah. It's yeah. just been a little strange. It's kinda of quiet. Maybe it's because it's you know, they're building up to worlds and, and Yeah, they might be it. struggling with the switch and date for worlds to me. Yeah. And just needing busy. to focus on getting that stuff i i still don't haven't seen that uh anchorhead no i haven't no skirmish mat either uh, well and they they know that in beginning of february yeah oh well no earlier than was it january January. okay yeah because it was well it was a it was legal for um for the regionals regionals. so it was it was um early january when they announced that and we're probably getting to the point where they're going to Flip out the next map. Yeah. <laughs> and they still haven't gotten the last yeah, one out. Haven't gotten this one yet. So. Yeah, I've been I've been watching. I check every couple of days to see yeah. if if it's available anywhere. And no, yeah. I think there was like um, maybe it was the Gamma Trade Show where they were showing off the the new uh, blisters. I, I don't. I didn't think. I don't think I heard anything about the map yet. But so it means like the blisters are close. You know, probably close to hitting the stores. So I imagine pretty soon we'll be seeing it next few weeks or so oh there is the benefit that it was the newest map in rotation so it won't disappear until probably oh it's not going yeah, to disappear next december or this december coming yeah, up kind of but thing like they're going to ch- you know it'll finally get out but then they'll change another current map so that you know there will always be one you have to assemble when you have to assemble during any major tournament it's like oh come on really <laughs> they have these things ready when they announce them <laughs> it's like okay this is the next one and you can buy it like mm-hmm. oh thanks awesome <laughs> yeah a little coordination a little coordination would be nice, yeah. Because uh, it's only the tournament people that are going to use. Th- I mean, it's nice to have in a casual skirmish session, but mm-hmm. it, that means you're just playing the tournament maps, and it's yeah. not. It, it gets stale playing the same three maps over and over again. Well, that's why you get the old ones, even if yeah, true, not, you know, yeah, for, for fun, yeah, exactly for afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I, I still haven't. Uh, I'll be honest, I still haven't picked up uh, training ground, but I, I plan on. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have that one either. I just have all I have is like the two current ones. It's because we hate that map, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it was like <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to play on training grounds we anymore. That one a lot when yeah. it was out. Yeah, yeah. There, there's it was like three tournaments with that map, and yeah, then, pretty much. 
then the amount of playing we did on it to prepare for like last year's regionals and mm-hmm. oh yeah that one was overplayed <laughs> <laughs> there there's other maps that are obviously never going to be uh tournament maps that are a little like they're more themed or mm-hmm. interesting they have little like quirky mechanics to them that i like to play for casual like the i think it's ig88s where there's like a death laser that approaches the mat like Is that it, the one that where there's a laser sort of going up the center yeah it goes up yeah. and it i mean the few times <laughs> i've played that map it's never really been an issue but it, it's always there in your mind that okay bottom of the map becomes unplayable after turn three or something if you're still going so it's stuff like that that i, I like to do for the casual yeah. kind of see the other other things that they've put out yeah no absolutely um but yeah that's well, there you go. That's about it. That's all. That's there's not really much to talk about right now um, for Imperial Assault. So uh, that's probably a good place to stop. Um, so it's a little bit of a shorter episode this time around, which is all right. Um, so hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll be able to get together and and get the next one going. Um, but until that time, you know, thanks for listening. Uh, check out our website at boardnowgaming.com. You can uh, follow us on there. You can um, check out our content. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at Board Now Gaming. Uh, follow us on Twitter. You can um, subscribe to us on iTunes and on Google Play. Uh, if you're on iTunes, you know, give us a rating. It, it couldn't hurt. Uh, apparently, people pay attention to <laughs> it, these things. It might if you do too low. Don't if you're going to go low. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. If you're going to give us a rating, please give us a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Any, anywhere between four and five stars. I don't <laughs> that, that'd, be pretty, that'd be pretty good, yeah. <laughs> Um, we also have a guild on Board Game Geek, you know. So if you're on Board Game Geek, check us out there and reach out to us. Uh, send us emails or whatever, and we'll reply. And then, other other than that, uh, until next time, keep on gaming. Board now. It's been still long enough. I need the calm to road. You got my bag While I go get my cut I got a feeling we're screwed I'm gonna need an excuse Now you got the match I got the fuse I got a place to lay low Keep the shades pulled tight I can't wash out these stains I can't loosen these chains Take off this mask To warm the ice in my veins I'm way back in way in case you hesitate Just put an X on my heart And I'll drive and stay
Abuse.